Holy so, <laughs> moly. The feedback we've been getting. Coming after you. From people who are doing Maps Prime. Loving Prime. Blowing me away. We are getting feedback from experienced trainers, physical therapists. Loving it. From uh, bodybuilders um, and, of course, regular people. And they're telling us that Maps Prime is the most revolutionary program that we have, but it's the most revolutionary program they've ever done. Um, it's one of, it's, this is literally, quote, what people are saying, is I could feel how effective Prime is the first workout. And what Prime basically is, for those of you that aren't familiar, is it is a program designed to teach you how to program or how to organize what you do before your workout and what you do after your workout. That ten, that eight to ten minutes before and that five to eight minutes after make a tremendous difference. Talk in terms about of, maximizing your workout. It'll maximize the results that you get. It'll make whatever exercise you yeah, do in your workout. Not just workout. I mean, any activity. Let's be honest about that. Oh, yeah. If you properly prime before you do a competition, you're going to compete better. You're going to move better. If you properly prime before you go on a walk, that walk is going to be more effective at what it's you know supposed Absolutely. to do. You battle these acute pains throughout the day. This is one of those things you do. You address your, address your prime before you go, before in you Maps, start your day. In Maps Prime, there's something called a compass test that helps you identify how your body moves and how your body uh, moves and how it moves poorly. And uh, based on that test, it helps direct you to what exercises, movements, and techniques you use to prime your body and how to post-prime your body. Uh, Maps Prime can be found at mindpumpmedia.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts. Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Doug, you want to put more foam in here so it sounds better. Well, we could. But what do. I interpreted was a foam party. Has anybody ever been oh, to a foam yeah, party? Yeah. Have you guys been to a foam party in Mexico? I've, I've been never to a wet t-shirt. Party. I've never been to a foam party. Oh wow! Hold that thought, Justin. We're talking about that next. But oh, okay, what's it like? Yeah, uh, are we on air? Are we on? <laughs> Is this thing on? Yeah, it, it, it tends to turn into a big orgy fest. What? Oh, yeah. Hello. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Because Hold on. Just because of the bubbles? Yes, because what happens That's is they, they fill the room oh. up and the bubbles oh, come. You can't see what's going on. Yes. So Ooh. you can look like you're dancing and having a good time with somebody. Uh, Most people are doing more than just dancing. A little bit. So a little little finger blast. Little, hey, God, that's so oh, that's so God, offensive. Excuse me, finger blast. That's so offensive. Tell you to edit that one. Mm. No, I, th- I think you should leave it in. Finger blasting good. That's, that's oh. like one of the most. Cr- that's like a, such a cringe, cringe worthy phrase. It sounds like at least. So it, is that what really happens? Like le- the foam comes in and just people start doing yes, shit. Yes, at least ten percent of our audience just left. Really? Uh, yeah. No, that's uh, that's kind of how it goes. It's a bunch down. of hand jobs. I mean, this is obviously <laughs> anecdotal, right? This is my experience in these. Uh, uh, what happens when you dive below the foam? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, I'm you pretty, spelunk. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 yeah, it's a lot of weird. sucky, sucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm pretty sure. One, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of my seven STDs came from there because uh, <laughs> I think it's just like. A, What'd you bring back from Mexico? Assess, honey? Assess, <laughs> assess pool of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah, just. Bubble, I hope the foam is made bubble, out of soap. Yeah. <laughs> bubbles and orange. No, it's not. It should be made of bleach. Is what it needs to be. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, I was just diving in like a dolphin. But really? Think, so ah! you're so you're in the foam. You're all dancing. Yeah. Nobody can see what's going on. Obviously, alcohol is involved. Maybe other substances. Of course, you're in Mexico. You're fucking partying. So I'm sure people are doing crazy shit. Yeah. And next thing you know. People are just touching each other. How does this work? Well, it's I've I, never done anything like this. To me, it's fascinating. I've never happen? been in a situation like this. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's like that. I think that you you go to a place like this, and they they typically have like so when you go to certain nightclubs, it's like oh, it's Friday foam night or whatever. At least is how it was in Mexico. Mm. Um, 
and you go there and they have all these machines that just start pumping the foam and then it's everybody gets as soon as the foam starts coming out it's just like mayhem like yeah everyone's going crazy because they know right like right by this time <laughs> yeah you're, now i can get freaky yeah your mdm's yeah. kicking in by now your music's pumping you feel like one with the music you got a couple hot chicks that are around you then the foam starts filling up and then the next thing you know it's like it's up to your chest and oh it's God. it's full-on grinding time and you know you're just you're, you're soapy and kind of wet and oh my Oh my gosh. It's very interesting. Yeah. You know what? I never even thought about this. The natural progression is to take your pants off, you know? So oh, that's I see. So now you're in there and you're, and so it's not a topless party, it's a bottomless party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's you a know, bottomless. then you got to look for your wallet and it's hard to get home. <laughs> you know what sucks now, about this? Of course, this? you get caught doing that. They throw you out, but I think that's kind of what ends up just happening. Just, you know what sucks about that story? That's what I hear. I'll tell you what sucks about that's that story. First of all, I've never experienced that. I've never been to a phone party. You're explaining, the way you're explaining it is making me like, fuck, I want to be in that because it sounds very sounds, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But number three, I'm 38 years old now, or turning 38 soon. If I were to go to that now, everybody would be like, look at the creepy yeah. guy. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> to touch. Hey everybody stay. I'll be by myself in the corner. Hey there. Is this spring break? And there'll, huh? be yeah. huh? there'll be lots of space between me and everybody else. Well, you just got guy. way too many like, that white hairs That guy's trying to touch everybody. Yeah, yeah that's the, the best part. This is like, I don't know, what, 15 years ago yeah. for me. So, I mean, maybe it's totally different now. So you go there and you start being the creepy guy. I got a mortgage. Everybody's like, whoa, everybody. What are, you, what are you doing? If, if me, you imagine me, my me. buddy, my buddy says you take your pants off when the phone. Comes I drive out. a minivan. Hey, hey, me, what's happening? Me, right? you, and Justin yeah. show up at a phone party. With, yeah. Everyone's gonna think we're drug dealers. Like, hey, those yeah. older guys. I bet they got drugs. Because yeah. why else would they be I th- here? I thought I called them wearing, wearing penny loafers when you came in. Who, whose dad's yeah. here? Yeah. We're here. We're here to party, guys. Hey, sweet Wait. dad hair. Where are you awesome. guys going? Yeah. So, Justin, you were gonna talk about a wet T-shirt contest. I was. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that before. Yeah, you went, did. Uh, yeah, I went to a party. Like live. Yeah, I was in Chicago. They had like some weird like upstairs. So there's like three layers. Some of these clubs in Chicago, I remember, were awesome. Like they would stay open until like 5 a.m. And uh, one of them had like three layers. And on the very top of it, it was like some, you know, cool DJ guy from wherever, Vegas or something was up there. And uh, all of a sudden they just, wet t-shirt contest. Everybody has like these whistles and shit. And I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, like, dude, without hesitation, like almost half the room of girls, like, they're, oh, let's do this. Ha ha ha. You know, it's fun. And they went up there and started, you know, just dousing each other with these things. And I'm like, where am I? Wait, okay. So, <clears throat> so I have a theory. This is very, this is interesting now. I've, I've, I've observed this several times now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. The difference between a guy who's sober and a guy who's drunk, there's a there's a big difference, right? Like guys who are drunk act a certain way and guys who are sober act mm. a certain way. Mm-hmm. But the difference between a sober girl and a drunk girl is seems to be much larger. Right. Am I wrong or am I right? <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel I, like I, I feel know, like yeah. normal like a normal you had a party, normal girl, and then all of a sudden like now they're dancing they're dancing on cables, they're yeah. doing crazy shit, and you're like this so, is so sometimes. different. This is yeah. so different from what you would Well, I'm sure some woman would, uh, would, would argue this, that this guy, oh, he's such a great normal guy, then he drinks, he's a fucking asshole, and he yeah. starts fights, and he's ways. an idiot. Yeah, yeah so there's, oh, there's, yeah, you're there's right. definitely both. I just don't pay attention to those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just, we're just so like, whoa, this is happening right yeah. now. It's like crazy. That's God, my you, bias. You just you're brought absolutely that, right. you know, yeah. talking about uh, that what t-shirt That was so college, like, oh my God, that's so long ago. You just reminded me of a great story. So awesome. I remember, uh, so what it was the last wet t-shirt contest that I'd seen. So this, I'm about 25 years old or so I'm out with my buddy. It's a Tuesday night, by the way. It's a Tuesday That's night. Important. Yeah. Well, the reason why I said he was, he's married, no. he's married. He's like two years in his marriage, a lot of stress going on. 
and he calls calls me up. Perfect and, time for a t shirt. <laughs> well, we're not we're not there You've been yet. Healed with the wet t shirt. Bear, bear with me. This is kind of a long story, so bear with me here. I promise it's it's funny at the end though for those that can laugh at me. So uh, <clears throat> it's Tuesday night. My boy calls me up, says Adam. Let's go have a drink. And I'm like, bro, it's Tuesday night. He's just like, it's been over a fucking day. He's a good friend of mine, so I rally. So we go out, and uh, we head to downtown. It used to be Mission Ale House. It doesn't exist anymore, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're downtown Mission Ale House, and uh, it's dead, of course. It's Tuesday at fucking 10, 11 o'clock at night. Like, it's me and him and the bartender. She's hot, though. Mm. And we're sitting there, and we're having drinks, and, and then uh, we were talking to her back and forth, and then we finally decide we're going to mosey on out of there. So we walk out, and as we're walking out, he's like, Bro, why didn't you get her number? This, bro, dude, it's Tuesday night. I got work tomorrow. I got stuff to do. You know, and this is 25, right? This is what 25-year-old guys start talking shit to each other. Like, yeah, oh, you yeah, couldn't yeah, pull yeah. that. I'm like, dude, she was totally into me. I could have pulled that. And so finally, I go, you yeah. know what? Fuck, fuck you, bro. Wait right here. Watch this. So I stop him. You know? So this is so out of your character. Yeah, you'd never be I would like never this. guess you yeah. would do that. Oh, no. I mean, this is 100% 25-year-old me for sure. <laughs> so uh, he, I tell him, hold still. I go back in the bar. And uh, long story short, I get her number. And she tells me, she says, hey, well, I, 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 have, the to, long story. I have to clean up afterwards, uh, but uh, I'll call you afterwards and we'll hang on. I could come back bow, and out. Bow. Right? He, and he's staying at my, not, my house that night because things are that bad right now. And so uh, we go back to my place and it's, you know, it's like one in the morning now. And, she, you know, bartender doesn't get done cleaning up till 2.33. So he's telling me, we bet a hundred bucks, by the way. So that was the deal. He's like, I bet you a hundred bucks. You can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, sure I will. And so he's like, well, it doesn't count unless she comes home, right? She comes to your place. So I'm like, whatever, bro. So we're sitting in my living room, and I've I've already texted her. We've made contact, and we're, I've got the phone laying on my chest, and I pass out. And I wake up to him in the morning, grabbing my phone, like, ah, give me my hundred bucks, you lost. And sure, shit, there she is. She had blown my phone up a bunch of times, and I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. So that's what that's all that happens with that part of the story. Fast forward like a year later, okay, we're at Mission Ale House again. Here's where the wet t-shirt contest comes in. <laughs> okay, we're in the backside back of, of, of um, Mission Ale House, and they've got uh, girls dancing on the bars, wet t-shirt contest. Same guy. I'm with him, having a good time and stuff. We're watching this whole scenario, and uh, somebody taps me on my shoulder. And I turn around, and I look, and somebody is tapping me on the shoulder to get my attention from some girl that's up behind me up on this little platform area and she looks at me and she gives me the finger and she kind of mouths fuck you you know and I'm like I look at her I don't know who this broad is I've never seen her in my life before right (laughs) and I look at my buddy and I go hey look back at the girl uh with the white shirt on do you know who that is and he looks back he said no I don't know who that is and I'm like she just flipped me off he's like you sure she's talking to you I'm like oh I think so so I go backward again tapped on my shoulder somebody else Look at the girls. Ah, you can, she's just getting more mad, right? I'm like, what? I'm like, bro, I don't know who she is. Is she looking at you or me? And he's like, I don't know who this girl is. Here, right? Go back to looking again. Then I get a fucking beer upside of my head. What? No. Here, here comes a fucking bottle. Oh, she was not back to my head. You. Spills all down my shirt. Now I'm pissed, dude. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this. So I go fucking stomping over, get right up in her grill, and I'm like, hey, I don't know who the fuck you are, but what? What's your problem? What did I do to you? And she's like, and she takes her drink and then she throws it on my face. <laughs> she sounds like a winner. Oh, dude, I'm like livid right now. And then she she tells me 
that I came in and got her number at the bar and was supposed to call her back and I never called her back and what a douchebag I oh she just like laid into me for like 10 minutes she really wanted oh bro I never I hadn't seen this girl in a year that's all that happened nothing else ever happened from that mm. and then she acted that way and then 10 minutes later she gets up on stage and she does the wet t-shirt contest and she's sitting on my lap 15 <laughs> minutes later oh, oh angrily yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Looks like, what the fuck dude wow give right? me that water that's my yeah. That's my last wet yeah. t-shirt contest story. Let me guess, could, you I, dated her? I, I, no, yeah. she no, your car. no. I looked craziest at my, sex of your life. I yeah. looked at my buddy and real truth, right? So after she she gets out there, she's wet t-shirt. She's sitting on my lap. She's all over me and stuff. And I'm like looking at him, like every time she's looking away, like give him like crazy the crazy look, like get us the fuck out of here. It's <laughs> crazy, dude. Hitting me, hitting me with a beer five minutes ago, then sitting on my lap ten minutes later, right? Like. So she says, I'm going to go in the bathroom, go change, and then, you know, we'll hang out. What about that? I'm like, this is peace out. Oh, bro, I bolted. Bolted. Dude, you just- haven't been back to that bar since then. You just reminded me of a story. And what's cool now is I can tell some of these stories now because (laughs) I'm no longer married. (laughs) So I'm not going to get in trouble. So I have, uh, God, so years ago, I I had a stint uh, in investments working uh, at a bank. So uh, because I thought for a second, maybe I'll just do investments because you make more money doing it. Uh, only lasted about less than a year, of course, because I, I fucking hated it. But nonetheless, they sent us to train to learn uh, how to do some of their processes. So we're in, I believe I'm in Arizona to learn these new programs or these new sequences or whatever we're supposed to learn because it's part of my training process, right? So I'm there and they sit us in groups and there's a dude in my group and he's a cool cat. Me and him kind of connect and we're like, yeah, oh, let's hang out afterwards. Oh, sure. We're going to have a good time. And there was a lady there that was teaching some of the class, and she was like one of the executive VP or whatever, like this, like she's a high level individual at the bank. I'm not even gonna say what bank it was because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. And she was probably, God, I must have been 20, I don't know how old I was, 22, maybe 23 years old. So I was really young. She was probably 37, 35, 37, something like that. Oh, excellent. Attractive, attractive woman, <laughs> very powerful, obviously. She's the one running part of the class. And she's, you know, teaching the class. Well, at the end of it, someone came up to us and was like, hey, you guys were talking about going out. Like, you guys like to party? We're like, yeah, we totally do. It's like, all right. So we all, it's like loosely like where we're all going to meet and hang out. So me and my buddy go to this bar in Arizona, which by the way, Arizona's got a lot of attractive people. Yeah. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's weird, right? Yeah. So, okay. So I'm not the only one. So oh, no. we're at this bar. We're having a great time. We're drinking. In walks this lady who was just teaching the class. And I'm... I'm out. I, I'm drinking. I'm not really dancing. I don't really give a shit about dancing, but I go out there. My buddy's like, it's like crowded. So we're like, let's just go out there. She comes out and starts grinding on me, like backs up into me and starts grinding on me. Meanwhile, my buddy comes around. He sees us dancing. So he's in the front of her now, right? So I'm thinking, I'm a 27-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, she's gonna, this is bad. Like She's going to be intimidated and I don't really feel comfortable in this situation. Well, he starts making out with her. While he's making out where she reaches back and grabs me and pulls me closer to her, right? So it's getting fucking weird, man. I've never been in a situation like this before. Remember, I got married real young. I'm real uncomfortable. I don't know what to do, but we're all getting drunk and this weird shit's happening, right? Fast forward, you know, end of the night, sandwich. on our way on our way back, she, she gets a, tack, a cab with us and she's trying to tell us to come hang out with her in a room. And I'm like, I don't know how to get out of this. Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to be in this situation. Thankfully, she got sick and threw up everywhere, so we dropped her off. The next day was the training again, right? We're in the training, and then she's sitting in the back at another table with her husband and kids. Oh. Yes. 
And I'm looking back and I'm Awkward. like, yeah. dude, I'm like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like very, very. Super, super awkward. Interesting right? feeling. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, nonetheless, it was an interesting yeah, feeling. So, so many stories I can tell now. So many. I, you know, it's it's funny because we get on these mics sometimes. and It just, in, it just opens your memory. Well, up. yeah, one of you will start to tell a story and I'm like, God, I buried that so so long ago and then oh, I did, I it, it didn't come up until you said something like I mean wet t-shirt contest the first thing I go like when was the last time I saw I know one right those? it's like and I then, know I've seen them and then this just shows you it how it feels like, weird talking about it to well, be honest we, but it's we like, talk about that like how that we, happened it sounds we, so douchey right we, yeah, conne- yeah. we connect things right it's like you said that and right away my back of my head hurt right I was like yeah. oh do they, I mean, do they even still do those, or is that like two against everybody's PC? You know, what t-shirt content? Yeah, oh, I'm sure they like mechanisms. I'm sure they happen. Sure, yeah. they I'm sure they do. College kids still exist. Yeah. How, yeah I mean, how old can we sound right now for not fucking because we haven't been into a bar or a club in that long? <laughs> Jesus. When I mean, it, back in my day, huh? I feel like we should ask. It Doug was a, like it was a wet yeah. corset contest. <laughs> <laughs> it, they were in black and white. Uh, so yeah. we should probably talk about fitness here. They're you like, know, pirates. You know what I want to talk about a little bit. Um, that I'm noticing uh, a lot, most of the questions that we get uh, directed at us uh, on our forum um, and even through Instagram, a lot, I don't, I don't know if it's most, but a nice chunk of the questions that we get are related to how to address pain, mm-hmm. how to address pain in my knee or my ankle or my shoulder or my back or whatever, where people just, they need help you know, fixing a situation where they can't squat or they can't deadlift or they can't do what they want to do because they're being held back by this, by pain. And I wanted to talk a little bit about pain and, and, you know, some of the steps people can take to addressing pain and correcting pain um, uh, and helping themselves so they don't have pain any, uh, anymore. One of the, one of the things I learned uh, pretty early on as a trainer was I had so much more value as a trainer when I could help people with pain than with almost anything else. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I could help people lose weight, that's great. If I can get them stronger, that was great. Mm. But man, if I could and help it was someone, the more, most rewarding, right? It like, was very rewarding. And I feel like people just, they saw, like I, I became so invaluable to them mm-hmm. because maybe it was an issue that they had for a long time that nobody was able to, you know, to help or to correct or to fix. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we should talk a little bit about that. And I, you know, the obvious, of course, where we're going to go, I know initially is the, the obvious, the corrective route, right? The, there's a dysfunction, physical dysfunction in the joint or in movement that's causing that pain and how to correct that. Well, let's be honest, too. I think that, man, this is probably a majority of, of our job. I think every trainer thinks that, you know, when he, when he first gets going, that you're going to get to tr- train the, your dream clients, right? Which maybe that is your dream client. But for most, most trainers that I ever hired or I remember getting started and it was like, you know, you want the athlete or like change somebody's life from fat to fit. And like you think this way, but in, that's all temporary. It is. And what we really probably deal with more than anything else uh, or a close second would probably be, uh, you know, emotional, psychological stuff. Is Which pain. they're all connected. By yeah, them. exactly. Right. So is yeah. pain. So pain and psychological stuff are probably honestly where I spend a majority of my conversation with clients and have for 15 plus years. Like it, it's so important that, you know, we, you connect these dots and understand because for so long we've had this misconception of you just going to get that when you get older, you know, like, Oh, accepted it. yes, we've accepted that we pain comes because mm-hmm. we're old. 
you know, yeah. and we're getting older. And it, and I, it used to drive me crazy as a young trainer talking to clients that were older than me. And I felt like I could not communicate with them because every time I would try to explain them things, it would just be like, well, we'll see when you get old. You know, we'll see when you get older. Yeah, like, as if you're, in, you're you don't understand because you're not that age. Therefore, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and I and I and to to an extent now being older, right, being 35 years old and having pain and aches and and been through all that, I kind of get where they're coming from. Yeah, but to accept that is like the worst thing that we could do is to just think that oh, it once this onslaught of pain comes that I'm just going to accept that this is part of life. Well, now. let's let's look into that though. Let's look into why like. <laughs> Our activity levels when we're younger are at an insanely higher rate than they are, you know, progressively as we age. So for one thing, like our habits and our patterns have changed completely, like, and we've let that happen. So, um, you know, certain things that interrupt that process, whether it's family, work, you know, any sort of daily routine that, um, you know, you've decided to kind of fill in with something else that turns into a priority. But the, the the thing is, is that we're just not, we're not utilizing our, our body the same way that we were when we felt it's best. Well, you know, what this made me think of, it's very interesting. God, you know, uh, so I, I had the unique opportunity of training a lot of uh, doctors and surgeons because my, my wellness facility that I had was next to Good Samaritan Hospital. And once I trained one doctor, then you know, I got lots of referrals that were doctors and surgeons, and they would come in, and I love asking them questions. And there were some interesting things that would that would be consistent, that would consistently pop up. And, and one of them was how adults handled pain versus how children handled pain. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, these these surgeons would 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 laugh because they'd have somebody in a situation that didn't require. You know, like, oh, you don't need that much pain medicine, or it doesn't hurt that bad. And yet, people would be like, oh my god, it's a ten. And then, yeah. These same doctors who may also work on children, I trained one guy who specifically worked on children for the first part of his career. He would tell me things like, man, he goes, I would go in and do major surgeries on children. And a couple days later, they'd be running around and they playing. Back. And he goes, and, and, and I asked him, I said, well, why? Why is that? Is it because their, their bodies just heal fast? He goes, association. He goes, because they don't know they're supposed to. Yeah. They don't know they're supposed to be in tons of pain that they that they're supposed to, you know, feel the sensation or acknowledge the sensation in the same way. Oh, this is like that great TED talk that we watched. Exactly, because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. pain is a signal, just like anything else in the body. How you interpret and perceive that signal changes how you how it feels dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, a great example is well, think of how many times you how many times does somebody cut themselves. Or smash their finger and it doesn't doesn't hurt till you look at it, mm-hmm. right? Like there's this like whack and you feel it and it's like mm, it hasn't quite registered yet. Then you look down at it and you see it bleeding. And then you're like, oh god, it hurts, right? Well, how about the extreme examples of people who uh, are into like uh, you know BDSM who liked the pain and it's arousing to them? Of course you they're, would go there. They're, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, they're they're feeling pain. But they perceive it as something that's that's pleasurable. Yeah. Now the TED talk that we that we uh, watched, this the scientist was des- describing how a snake had bitten him in his foot, but he perceived it to be like he scratched his foot on a twig, so it wasn't that big of a deal mm-hmm. until he passed out and almost died. Then he healed and he became better. Luckily, he survived. And about a year and a half later, he walked along the same area. And he actually did scrape a twig with his foot, but because he had been bitten by a snake before, 
this time he remember, and he said like I only had a small scratch, but he had perceived the pain so much more painful than before because he connected it to the snake yeah. bite because the because his brain said snake when it wasn't a snake this time. Well, you see that with people that have had like an injury or or surgery or something like that where. Yeah, it, it registers now. Like you, you associate, <clears throat> so if I if my ankle slightly rolls, all of a sudden, boom, I get excruciating pain. You know, mm-hmm. if I've had an injury there, doing the same exact movement before, even though it's fully supported, I've done all the work to, you know, make sure that I'm strong in that movement and everything. It's still you. You have this 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 sort of database where I'm, I, like I immediately pull from that the worst case scenario. Well, have you guys ever trained uh, like a true? I'm sure you have a pain body, what they call a pain body, where you fix one issue, something else hurts, something else hurts. Now you can't really see any dysfunction, but things bother them. They go get you know imaging, they get an MRI, they come back, everything looks fine, and yet they're feeling hurt here, hurt there. I had I've had several clients like that. I had one gentleman who, no matter what we did, it hurt. It was just painful. Hmm. Where I would even if I touched him, like if I would go palpate, you know, his trap. I had to be very, very gentle because it became it was it was too much pain. Hmm. The funny thing is, as we continued to train and as he became more relaxed around me and as he started to perceive the pain from exercise differently, uh, he didn't. It didn't happen to him anymore. Now nothing really had changed other than the fact that he I, he had started perceiving it differently. You know, um, you also have people who I mean, it's a fact. Now we know this established that when you're depressed or in a depressed state you perceive pain as much more painful. In fact, uh, if, if you have back pain and they do imaging and they can't find any problems and you go to a physical therapist and they can't find any problems, one of the uses of an antidepressant would be to treat that back pain. Someone could take an antidepressant and find, wow, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Very, very interesting stuff uh, to consider when you're constantly in pain. And I think it's something to be aware of when you're correcting the physical correctional aspect of the pain because that emotional component can remain it could stay there past the point of you correcting that issue where let's say you have you know poor posture and you correct it uh but you're still feeling some of that remnants of of that pain because you still haven't gotten through that emotional component or that that association with you know whatever is causing whatever you think it to be causing you know that pain i think so much of this happens on uh even <clears throat> less intense levels all the time that we don't realize like you know right now we're talking about pain so i think a lot of like you know you're thinking of like oh i had my knee surgery oh the guy that got bit by the snake or cut like but there's uh much much uh smaller versions of this right i don't know for lack of better word uh when somebody starts to lose this connectivity to an area and this is what i feel like we deal with the most is you know it's funny how the brain just starts to stop sending a signal to an area or a much uh, uh, not as loud of a signal to an area because you stop using it and then how that could end up causing these imbalances which in turn causes these aches and pains in people Mm -hmm. that's what i feel like we deal with the most Mm -hmm. and people have a hard time connecting and, and realizing that hey this is something that you can actually intrinsically fix if you put the work in and time into this Versus just going to the doctor, getting prescribed some sort of, you know, pain medication to give you this instant relief from it when, you know, really there's like the connectivity issue that's going on here Mm -hmm. that if we could just get you firing on all cylinders, you'd be blown away by how much this, this pain. There's there's certain groups that are just working too hard. Yes. You know, whereas everybody's contributing, but then when you get 
certain muscle groups that are just overly contributing, it's causing it's causing a bad recruitment. It's causing um, your your body to to give you a signal like, look, you know, there's there's dysfunction here. There's something that uh, you know needs to be addressed. And so, really, like, it's so interesting when you think of of pain as just being like a, a little message, like, hey. Hey man, you know, like like the guy was like humanizing a lot of these like signals. It was really kind of funny the way he was describing a lot of this stuff, but it makes a lot of sense. Like it's just really trying to communicate to you to uh, identify things and then and then address it. And and so if we're not going to do that, then the body's just going to persist to make a louder signal. Hey, this is something we need to look into. So there's that, and you know, our natural (laughs) inclination when we have pain is to move away from it. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. And so if I have a painful knee or ankle or back, what I'm going to naturally want to do is ignore it or try to avoid it, uh, stop using it, stop thinking about it. Let's, let's, let's numb it, pretend like it's not there, which might actually be the opposite of what you might need to do. Uh, what, you, what you might need to do, what might actually be more effective is to focus on the pain, focus on what movements cause the pain, focus on how it feels, mm-hmm. change how you perceive that pain. One of the easiest things you could do is just start perceiving that pain as a signal that you need to do something rather than this thing that's happening that I can't control. Yeah. And then work towards uh, correcting that pain or, fi- or, or, or fi- at least the root cause of that pain. Yeah, which, rerouting it. Yeah. Right, which, which may be you know, joint dysfunction, muscle tightness. It may even be just simple inflammation. You know, when they... When they do studies on people, well, you know, some of these microbiome studies or gut flora studies, a large, I think most of the inflammation uh, created in the body is created in the gut. And uh, there's this kind of like this feedback loop, right? This emotional component to the gut where the gut influences how your brain thinks and how you feel and how you feel and think influences what happens in your gut. And that all produces inflammatory chemicals that we can measure, which then you know, cause you to perceive pain to be much, much well, worse. Well, and this is, you know, I, I'm glad you went that direction because this reminds me of the post that I just recently did on my Instagram with the whole IIFYM stuff that I have a problem with because there's there's so much more to food than it fitting into our macros or our weight loss or our weight gain goals that there's stuff that's happening inside of our body when we make these different food choices that are altering the flora, that are altering how our body reacts, responds. And some of these responses are inflammation and the, and changing the, changing the chemistry in your gut flora. And we don't, and there's lots of things we don't know about it. So, you know, and I, and I can't stand when people feel like, uh, especially when I do a post like that, that it's like, um, oh, I'm saying it's all bad. No, it's not that I'm saying it's all bad. It's I'm saying it's it's one small step in the direction that we all need to get to, which is understanding that foods weren't all created equal, that we, we're all searching for the ideal foods for us, for ourselves, and that it's okay to say that a food is not good for you. Everyone thinks that means you're demonizing it and you're making it into this bad thing. It's like, no. That shit affects your body different. It causes inflammation. It changes your gut floor. It does different things inside of you. You know, it spikes your blood sugar. There's things that are going on because you ate that food instead of that food. It's not a, that's bad, you know, punish yourself, demonize. It's, just, it. it's identifying optimal processes and things to introduce to your body. It's like optimal movement patterns, optimal ways to eat. Like, there literally are 
things that you can focus on that will improve your overall health, will improve your overall strength, performance, all these kinds of things. And, you know, why why would we not address it from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, when again, if you're looking at uh, yourself, if you're thinking about yourself, if right now you have an area of your body that, that hurts and you just can't seem to figure it out, you have to remember something that the mind, the body, and you know the emotional state; those are all intricately connected, and you can't separate them. So, what I mean by that is, if you really want to handle, uh, you know, the issue that you have at hand, if you really want to handle the pain and correct what may be causing the pain, your absolute best bet would be to have a multi-pronged approach. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be just, yeah. let me correct my movement. Let me. You know, or let me, you know, find out why I'm so anxious and stressed out, or let me fix my my food to reduce inflammation. Your best bet would be all of those things. Yeah. You could do all of those things. And you would be so surprised at how what 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 an impact each one of those things have. I've had clients who I've worked with, and this is the direction that I always go. When someone comes to me with pain, the first thing I look at is function, because that's easy. That's an easy thing for me to see. It's an easy thing for me to correct. I know what exercises to give the person. Uh, it's it's they tend to follow my advice a little bit better with that because hey, you're here, you're with me, so I'm going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step, which I think is the right order because I think that's probably <clears throat> majority. Well, you got to get that out of the way. Yeah, right? we, I mean, you, I would think as trainers, we would agree that a majority is function, and then nutrition is probably too. Is that well, then I was just going to say mm-hmm. the second place I go. Let's say we do that. Let's say we do the function. We work on the function, and it gets better, but it's not gone. And it's at this point where I'm like, okay, I'm scratching my head a little bit. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here. The second step then is I go to food. And the things that I do is I start to have them reduce or eliminate foods that are common, uh, you know, things that cause inflammation in people uh, commonly. It doesn't always, by the way. These foods don't always cause inflammation in people. But it seems to be more common than not that they do. And those include things like sugar. You know, gluten, foods, highly yeah. processed foods, uh, artificial sweeteners, artificial colors and dyes, um, lots of carbohydrates. Uh, I've noticed we'll, we'll do this in people. Lack of vegetables, lack of water, um, uh, an imbalance in fatty acids. If somebody just eats lots of red meat, doesn't include things like fish and those types of things. Mm, lactose. Yeah. yeah. So then I'll, yeah, dairy is another one. So then I'll tackle the nutrition part of it. And then the third prong that I go after is the emotional component. This is the most fucking difficult. Very, very difficult because it sounds like hocus pocus magic, you know, hippy dippy type stuff, right? Yeah. When I tell someone like, look, we've we've done this correctional exercise for, you know, the last six months. We've worked on your nutrition. Your pain is dramatically reduced and yet you still feel some of it. I want to uh, I want us to uh, to think for a second, I want us to, uh, to to imagine for a second that perhaps there's an emotional component here mm-hmm. to this pain. And, and a lot of times people don't take that very well. Like, oh, what well, do you think I'm making this up? Which I find very fascinating when people say that because it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you're making it up or you're not. If it's working. Well, your brain is creating it regardless. Yeah, that's, so. the th- that's the point. Yeah. You feel it. It, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's due to a so bone. You can like, manifest it however you want. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't- this is the ongoing argument of like antidepressants, right? It's like that it doesn't matter if it's working, right? That's the thing. Like It doesn't matter if you have joint dysfunction or not. If we can't find anything wrong with you, if you still hurt, you still hurt. And... This is the last area that we haven't, you know, touched upon. So let's talk about uh, this emotional component. And 
I've had clients come in where I'll, I'll lay them down and I'll have them do belly breathing in a dark room. And um, believe it or not, more often than not, people will start crying when they do that. Very fascinating to me. The first time it happened, I didn't know what I was like, what was going on. Mm-hmm. But people have like this emotional release. And after that emotional release, they will notice more pain than they did before. And then the pain starts to dissipate and go away over time. But it's almost like they have to become more aware of what's causing it, that this emotional component exists, and then they become more aware of the pain. Then they start to perceive it differently, and then little by little, it starts to go away. But I think the key point here to understand here, especially when it comes to pain, because pain is such a, you know, there's so much connected to it. I mean, it can really disrupt and disturb your life. Well, it's... You know, people in chronic pain, really bad have a very high suicide rate. Well, not even just chronic pain. I, I like to talk to just the, our general population, like, and, and I can relate to this. Like, it's fucking frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, that's why, I mean, I think part of what we, why we were so passionate about introducing Dr. Brink to you guys and then moving on to our next program with him is because he was a game changer for me because there is, talk about a guy, like, I expect myself to know my own body pretty well, <laughs> considering I help others with their body for most of my career, right? right. So when I come across uh, an, a pain in my body that I can't get to the bottom of it, oh mm, my God. That's it, super fresh. Oh, and it's like, I just bang my head against like, the wall. What is the movement contributing to this? Yeah. Like, ah, I'm trying to identify it, Exactly. It. Yeah. And sometimes it's just not, and I'll give you an example of something that took me a while to to get to, which was... You know, when I was, and I'm just going to call it golfer's elbow because I don't even know technically if that was it, but, you know, I had this pain inside and, you know, we, we figured it was part, you know, pronator terrorist stuff and that kind of helped and, you know, shoulder movement, that kind of helped. A lot of this was all stimulating, <clears throat> stimulating uh, uh, from my inability for uh, scapular retraction on the right side. And it was so minute of a difference that the average person or even a per- someone like me wouldn't be able to tell unless I really started to assess it and break it down. And even though it's stemming from my back and this inability to connect and retract the scapula, it's got me slightly protracted on the right side, causing my shoulder to be mm-hmm. slightly rounded. Then this pain runs down the back of my arm and into my elbow. And, you know, you think it's the elbow and maybe wrist and forearm because that's where it's all radiating from. But really, it's stemming from this dysfunction that's Mm -hmm. all the way on the other side. So, you know, that to me is where I mean, my my heart goes out for people that that battle pain and deal with this. And also why, you know, prime was so big, man, why it was so I think we all agree that it's. Uh, the most exciting program that we did because this was the issues that we were trying to address and trying to help people get to the bottom of this. Well, see, I think we forget because we've been doing this for so long just how um, connected we are to our bodies because we've been trainers for so long and we've been in fitness for so long. And uh, that was our job, right? Our job was understanding the body. Our job was understanding sensations and feelings and movement. Mm -hmm. And we're so connected to our bodies that – you know, someone like Adam can start to identify and find some of these areas and say, okay, it's coming from here. Well, maybe it's coming from here. And here's the connection. But if you're not connected to your body, if you have a poor connection to your body, and believe it or not, I'll give you an example. Like this is this has happened many, many times. I'll take a new client through an exercise. Like we'll do a tricep press down. And they'll be like, wow, I feel this in my legs. Or wow, I feel this in my abs. Or I feel this in mm, my yeah. in my back. And it's not like <laughs> that blows my mind. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, and it will. It, this is like when I first started training, where I thought, it, like, for me, thinking training was just like, okay, I'm going to run somebody through a workout, right? 
And I'm going to do what I did uh, in my sports training. We all did this as a team. We expected this out of these people. Like, you know, we all kind of had like an established coordination right from the bat, right? Now I get my first client and it's like they move like a toddler, yeah. you know? And I was just, it just blew my mind, the, the inability to control their body with the most basic things like mm. getting up off the ground, like walking or like holding one foot off the ground for more than like one second. Well, this would completely this is this also explains the explosion of functional training, you know, what, 10, 10, 12 years ago for us when it hit was, you know, and that's why I think it was I think why all of us at one point in our career kind of went through this a little bit where we kind of hopped on that bandwagon because it was such a game changer because we all realized that like, holy shit, most of my clientele. It's like the general population. Yeah. Are so disconnected from their They have no proprioception like. Oh yeah, putting them on the ball and helping them stabilize and stuff like that. I'm so helping them, and and to a point, you were right. There's some things that were beneficial from that, and there were definitely some great takeaways. I think looking back now that you can get from that, but it's it's unbelievable how how much we uh, start to lose that. I mean, it's not like riding a bike. It's you stop using it, you will lose it. And how much of that actually is related to the pain? I don't think a lot of people connect that. I think they they connect the pain to getting older. Their body is just getting wore down, and it's just like this is what happens when it's like no. What's happened is you stopped using, you stopped moving a joint uh, through its full range of motion and keeping it lubed up, keeping it connected, and then now all of a sudden the body is pushing back, and you've got this dysfunction that is now causing pain, and it could be somewhere mm-hmm. all the way across the body that's not right next to it, and I think that's what's really hard for where, people. Where to- they're so disconnected from their body that they didn't even identify that there was an imbalance <laughs> to begin with. They didn't identify that they were moving, you know, funny. Uh, or that they, you know, couldn't sit a certain way, or that the way they tied their shoes, they had to move a certain way until it became this loud pain signal. That's what I mean by disconnection. Like I have, I'll have clients who need to work on losing weight, and they'll tell me that they're not quite sure what what it means to be hungry because I'll sit there and I'll break down every, you know, their their, their cravings and stuff, and they'll be like, "Well, I was hungry." And I'm like, "Well, that's not really hunger." You know, you had a craving. Let's 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 separate the two. Let's talk about this. And they're blown away. They don't understand like. Wow, I guess you're right. Like, why? Why did I eat that at that time? It's, I guess I wasn't hungry, but I thought I was. It's this total disconnect between their body and themselves. The signal, uh, the signals that they're receiving, they're not interpreting properly. And so, I can only imagine what it means with pain. You know, pain's got to say all kinds of different things. I mean, uh, you guys have heard of referred pain before, right? This is this is documented where you'll feel pain in one place. Because something else is hurting. There's parts on the body, there's pressure points that someone can push on and you'll feel a zing somewhere else. Uh, you know, classic symptoms of a heart attack have to do with things that have nothing to do with your heart, like pain in your shoulder, in your left arm or, you know, pain in other parts of your body. So I think connecting to your body is very, very important uh, so that you can start to read these signals more accurately and then start to work on the root causes. Uh, one of the one of the easiest things you can do, one of the best things you could do, um, is walk around barefoot. Yeah, walk. I mean, the, your hands and your feet ha- are some of the most concentrated, you know, uh, parts of your body in terms of nerve endings. Nerve endings, right? Yeah. Yep. Now imagine if you had gloves on all day long, because none of us wear gloves all day long, right? But imagine if you did for a second, you'd notice right away. Everything would feel weird. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to handle objects. Well, that's what we do with our feet. Mm-hmm. We're never barefoot, or at least most of the time we're not barefoot. Yeah. So we lose that. We lose that sensation. So it's like we're having our hands with atrophy like crazy. Well, our, and think about that. Our feet are, it's like they have latex gloves because we wear socks all the time on with 
big mittens on top of that. Those are our shoes. Could you imagine having latex gloves, then snow gloves on, yeah. and going about your well, day all day long? So how disconnected you would be. Hello, <laughs> yeah, you're waving at people. So immediately, idiot. immediately, as trainers, we think to ourselves, muscle atrophy, right? If I'm not walking barefoot, if I'm not feeling things with the bottom of my feet all the time, then I'm probably going to lose muscle uh, on, my, on my feet and maybe some around my ankle, right? So muscle atrophy. But what we don't realize is there's also probably some atrophy in the parts of the brain mm. that receive and interpret those signals. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Every time a muscle sense. is disconnected, it's not the muscle that get, it's it's not the muscle that's the problem. It's the connection that's coming from the brain, the central yeah. nervous system. So if I if and the you're, bo- you're basically telling it you don't need it anymore, you, yeah. you don't need it, and it atrophies and it, and it weakens and it goes away to the point where feet become so sensitive that they can't perceive touch to the point where like me, like if I like now I'm walking more barefoot, I can handle someone massaging my feet. For the longest time, if you tried to massage my feet, I kick you in the face because it, it like it was too, too much. Ticklish. It was intense. It was so ticklish. Mm. But I realized it was it, it was just my I wasn't able to perceive that sensation very well because that part of my brain probably was undeveloped. Yeah. Because yeah. I was always constantly to the point when I was a kid, I used to sleep in socks. I hated wearing yeah. being barefoot. So literally undeveloped in that part of my of, of that part of my brain. So taking your socks and shoes off and walking around outside, walking around on different surfaces can do a lot with connecting you to your body. That's so funny. I just <laughs> I know it's so obvious, right, that it's it's places that you're most ticklish that you like never get any sort of stimulus otherwise, right? <laughs> that it's just like, "Oh my god, my my armpits are like my ribs and, you know, inner thighs like I'm revealing my ticklish point. That's <laughs> well, not good. Well, you, you know what? Don't be fu- taking notes. Well, you know what's funny? I used to think that uh, people who lived in societies where they were always barefoot, like, oh my god, their feet must be so numb. That's how they can walk on that on those rocks and stuff. Yeah, it's actually not true. The reality is they have greater. Uh, they can feel. Uh, and perceive sensations better on their feet. They can tell. So they do little micro adjustments. They more. can tell. Well, it's just that they don't perceive. They, it doesn't come across as pain because for us, hmm. if you let me put it this way, if you've never heard a sound before, or if you ever rarely hear sound, and then all of a sudden, you know, we introduce you to like the sounds of the real world, they're going to come across to you as overwhelming and yeah, loud and screechy right. and irritating and too much. I got you. It's I like you. sensory overload, overload yeah. because your brain doesn't understand how to process all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a poor connection to that sensation. Well, that's what's happening uh, with your feet. That's why if you try to walk, it's like, it's not hurting me. I'm walking on gravel. I'm not cutting my feet, but why the fuck is it so painful? Yeah. Because I'm, it's sensory overload because I haven't developed that part of my brain that understands all those sensations. That's a disconnect with my body. And, and most, a lot of people, especially people that don't work out very regularly or, or don't focus on this, have that disconnect with their entire body. Maybe not to that extent, mm-hmm. but to the point where they go to the gym and they'll do a squat or a bench press or a push-up or a row or a curl or whatever, and they're not even sure what they're supposed to feel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're you just got, soft and squishy. How many times have you heard this as a trainer? It used to blow me away when I was a trainer. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? How many times have you heard this? Where am I supposed to feel this? Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. Where am I supposed to feel this? This person who I'm training is exercising to fatigue they're, it's very hard for them to do this exercise. It's not like we're training with a low intensity, and yet they're asking me where they're supposed to feel this and exercise. this is why physical education is important. Well, and this also explains, I mean, I tell people this all the time, that you know, there, there's such a skill 
to uh, working out to build muscle. You know, it's not as simple as just going in the gym and doing a bunch of movements because the body is always going to take the easiest path, easiest path. And if you are somebody who's never really trained the body, you don't have good connection to your muscles. I mean, you're going to do a tricep pushdown, which is a very easy exercise and almost hard to fuck up. But most somebody will actually do that and get their abs, their chest, their shoulders, tries, buys, forearms, back, all involved in it to get the weight down and train to failure, like you're saying. And that's why they asked that question, yeah. because all these muscles are collectively working to just perform the movement when they're not learning how to do it biomechanically See, correct. I'll take it a step further, because if you were to take a beginner and have them do a tricep press down, you would see the tricep fire. You would see it's working, right? They're obviously extending the elbow, bring it up. Obviously, they don't have as, much, as good a control as we do or as, uh, as people who are highly trained do. So the muscle's working. They just have such a poor connection to their body that they can't even properly perceive... Disseminate where it's coming from. They can't even properly perceive yeah. the, mm-hmm. the sensations... I agree with that. ...of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So now take that to the next level, and now let's look at pain. You know, Now now look at how pain is working. I think sometimes, I swear to God, guys, I pro- I'm telling you right now, there's many, many times people come to me with pain, and that session, I make their pain almost go away. That fucking session. I know I didn't fix a goddamn thing. Yeah. I think all I did was is I connected to their, helped them connect to their body a little bit better, and now they're not perceiving it as pain as much as they're just perceiving did you guys, the sensation. Did you guys ever do this? I actually used to give clients- Sal the Baptist. Because uh, it, it was super common that- uh, I know you have done it too, Justin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Clients I would uh, would say that they can't feel it, or they don't. I don't feel in the right place, or ask you that question. So that was always- an indicator to me, just like you said, that, oh, wow, these people are just so disconnected. Uh, And then I would explain to them that, you know, lifting weights is really just uh, flexion of the muscles with resistance. Mm -hmm. So we need to practice flexing. Like, flex, show, you know how many people can't flex their back? Like, just flex your back. Yeah. Just flex your chest. Just flex your tricep. And yeah, Yeah. it's like this, huh? I mean, I've had moments like that. And when you really think about it, like, that's the first step before you actually put weight in there, right? Before you were watching, watching uh, Dr. Brink like articulate his spine like that and be able to connect to each vertebrae. Yeah. I was like, ooh. (laughs) It's crazy what you can do when you're connected to your body. It's absolutely fascinating. And I, I would say one of the greatest benefits that resistance training will provide you to your body more so than almost any other form of exercise if done properly is that it connects you to your body in a, in a very, very substantial way if you do it right because you can, with resistance training, I can manipulate the exercises and the movements according to my body and according to what I want to do and what I'm trying to target and for different adaptations and it's highly moldable. That's the thing about resistance training that's so amazing is that it's it's extremely, I can individualize it to it to the 10th degree. I can't do that with other forms of activity. I can only individualize running so far. I can only individualize yoga so far. I can only individualize, you know, Pilates so far because they have this kind of rigid structure of how they're supposed to be performed or whatever. There's, otherwise, it's no longer yoga. It's no longer Pilates, right? Resistance training, we can perform it a trillion different ways, but all of it really connects you to your body. And I think that's part of the reason why resistance training is showing now, is demonstrating now that when people work out with weights, it's a very activity in general is a potent antidepressant. In fact, they compare it with low doses of uh, of common antidepressants like Prozac. I resistant I would argue that resistance training is the most effective long term uh, for 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 mental state because 
it does produce those endorphins. It does do all those wonderful things that activity does. But it also allows you to connect to your body on a much deeper level. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can use the example. Look, you know, here's a great example. Let's talk about sex for, for, for a second. Baby. Being very connected to your body, it's a fact, being very connected to your body is very closely uh, connected to your ability to orgasm or your ability to enjoy what you're doing. Disconnect to your body results in, uh, you know, where people have issues with uh, orgasm. There's even conditions where people can't orgasm at all because yet they feel things, but they haven't, they're not so, they're so disconnected from their body, maybe due to trauma or something else, that they can't reach that level. Like, can we start like a foundation or something, you know? (laughs) Do something for these poor, Adam's poor bastards. Come over here, and Adam will help you out. <laughs> oh, He's babe. an expert on it. Oh God! But you know, my my point with all this is, uh, you know, there's definite things you should do to address your pain, from identifying dysfunction, doing correctional exercise, then identifying diet, working on diet. But don't throw out the emotional connected, you know, the the emotional component, and don't throw away the the being aware and connected to your body component, which kind of covers all of those things from nutrition, emotion, and function. Um, and it, this is why, I mean, uh, you know, another plug here, but when we do, when people do MAPS Prime, the very first time we get, an, like, they'll tell us, I did it one time and I could tell right away yeah. mm-hmm. that, uh, that things were more effective. And all we're doing is we're using movement, we're doing using techniques and movement um, in an individualized way, because you you know you take a test, you pat, you pass or fail a test. It helps direct what you need to do. Because of course, disconnect can be very individual. I can be disconnected to one area, but very connected to another. Or you know, I could be disconnected to everything, but find that one thing works better for me than another. So it helps you individualize what you do before your workout to become more connected, so that when you do work out, you get the the, the results and benefit of that particular workout. This episode excites me to just introduce our audience to uh, Dr. Spina. And when we get him on the show, that's going to be great because this is like getting into the Ken stretch, which I think is so great. And what I've, I've taken a lot of stuff from him and Brink and those tools. And I think it's a game changer for people for sure. And a lot of people are going to get parts of that and pieces of that through uh, maps prime. I mean, that's a lot of what, Mm -hmm. uh, inspired it and, and what we have coming down the road but i would i wouldn't be surprised if a oh you know what I, of course and massage therapists have told me this for years that one of the main benefits of massage therapy for example is just the simple fact that you become aware of your body because someone's touching you oh yeah you know that's what I mean? so trippy it's not yeah. it's not it's just that simple it's not just that they're sitting there needing your muscles and there's this like physiological no, yeah. no, there's stimulation physical there. component. yeah yeah you, the fact that i sense that a human being is touching my body yeah and i'm aware of there's different parts of my body well like think about that too when like you're training somebody right sometimes you actually physically like kind of poke on the bicep or like you know you want mm-hmm. them to to get external feedback that uh, it really does help them to focus and 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 to be able to fire and engage with that muscle properly. I'll have to ask my girl, but I know that there's a reason why uh, they never le- let their hand come off of you either. You ever notice that when you mm. get a massage? All right, there's always even, something on you. As lo- even when they make a circle mm. around the table, they'll drag their hand. They'll drag their hand and they'll stay connected to you the entire massage. They never lose that connection. So once oh, they've yeah. got, once they've made their connection to you and they're massaging you, mm. no matter where they're on the table and even time even when they're transitioning through moves, they're staying connected to you. You know, it's funny. Some studies have been uh, <clears throat> have demonstrated now the benefits of sleeping naked, um, and they think that might be one of the reasons uh, you hear that, for honey? it. Yeah, it, because you're in, uh, you know, you're in your bed, you're naked, you've got all this skin sensation, um, and they're saying that this benefits people's sleep, um, their well-being. Of course, being naked with another human being, not sexual, but just 
just touch. And, and there, there, were, there were some old studies, some very, very bad studies that I hope they never reproduce, um, but they were done in the Soviet Union on uh, you know, orphaned uh, infants where um, ha- some of the infants were fed and taken care of uh, with all their necessities, but they were never held, hugged, or you know, played with. Hmm. And then the other half, they did all that, plus they played with them, touched them, and you know, did all that stuff. And the ones that weren't touched, man, they they yeah, they it's did a big deal. They did poorly, yeah, very very poor poor health, and many many of them did not survive. Mm-hmm. It's very very important to be connected to your body, mm-hmm. and when it comes to pain, do not discredit, you know, that piece of it. So yes, you definitely go to the gym, find find your imbalances, correct them, work on them, but also just become more aware of it and in touch. Um, and connected to your body, um, and be aware of the emotional component, the stress component, um, and how that can and, affect. And know that this this is this could be a session. Sometimes this is what we try. And, oh, great point. And explain to people that you know, as much as like we pride ourselves on being like these super program geniuses, and that we and we put together these awesome programs to give people awesome results. You know, sometimes like sometimes going to the gym with no real format is just going there and listening to your body and getting connected to it and paying attention to all these signals that it's trying to send you. And a lot of that starts with the mind first and Mm -hmm. just being able to relax it. And, you know, something that I'm trying to incorporate more is my breathing techniques and helping myself get into that state, whether it be before my workout or before I go into work or before I read something like, you know, so much of what we do is so con- everything's connected, man. It's crazy to me because so many people will think that's a waste of time. You know what I mean? I'm not going to the gym. I'm not sweating. I'm not getting sore. But nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. Uh, take that time aside for yourself. So, with that, if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five star rating review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you'll get a free Mind Pump t shirt. You can also find us on Instagram. You can also ask us questions on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal, Adam's at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.